Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys. I feel like I haven't been here in a month, but I'm here now, so that's good for me. I mean, I'm happy. Anyway, thank you guys for coming. If you join us online, thank you guys for joining us online. I haven't looked, so maybe uh, Pastor and Pastor, I like calling them that, Pastor and Pastor are on with us right now. But uh, either way, thank you guys for joining us online. Thank you for joining us in person today at New Life. Uh, you guys are really pretty. I don't, know, I don't say that enough to you. I realize. Um, <laughs> so today I want to pray for this. Uh, I want to pray for the Yule family. They are taking a vacation. They're all together, Fort Walton Beach. Um, I just got back from a beach, so I get it. It's really good. But I had trouble when I was gone. I don't know if you guys are this way, but I had a lot of trouble relaxing. And, uh, you know, you get caught up in your mind and all the things going on. It, I think I started relaxing about the day before we headed back. It's just, you know. But I have relaxed the last two days here at home. So I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, so let's pray for them that they would really be able to just settle in, focus on just chill. Of course, they, they're probably almost done with their vacation. But still, we'll just believe God will fix it in the past if we haven't solved it already. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and grace. Thank you for who you are. And right now, we just lift up the whole Yule family to you. And uh, we just pray that you would in just, in just completely permeate their bodies with peace and relaxation, that they could understand. In fact, I'm just thinking about the passage in Philippians where we get this peace that surpasses all understanding. I think it's in Philippians. And so, Father, I just pray that for them, that they really can just settle in, relax, and get recharged and prepared for all that you have us to do. We are living in amazing times, Father. And you have called us all here for such a time as this. We are designed for these moments. That's why you made us be born when you did. That's why we're where we are right now. It's all divine. It's all intentional. And so we just embrace that reality and we thank you for it. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you guys. Now I'm going to go back over here where I can't see you guys. And we'll do, uh, we'll keep going in worship here.
you thankful that you have ears to hear and to be together, to hear together, to worship together. You know, Scripture is really about relationship. It's not really about the do's and don'ts that we think about so often. It's simply about a relationship with a living God who designed you to have a relationship with him. And he designed us to have a relationship with each other. And believe it or not, he designed us as the church to have a relationship with the world. Boy, that was, that was just sorry. That's all that was. As the church, he designed us to have a relationship with the world. Do you remember? For God so loved the world. God has a love relationship with the world. This picture of an angry God that is just sitting up on a great white throne, sort of like the Lincoln Memorial. Let's see, where am I going to send a lightning bolt today? How many know that's not the God we love? That's not the God we serve. He may send some correction. He may pull and draw at your heart. He may allow you to fall in a ditch so he can speak to you about getting out. But it's always about a relationship. And he's always calling. Amen? Let's do something a little different. First off, I want to make a challenge. You know, neither of the Yules are in the building today. What if we really screwed them up next week? What if the people on this side sat over here and the people over here? You know what I figured out in the time that Don and I have been coming here? We even park in the same parking spots on Sunday. How cool would it be for Pastor Johnny to get up next Sunday and look out and not be able to figure out who was here and not here because we changed seats while he was gone? How many will be like with me next week? We're going to move to a different spot. All right, awesome. Let's get out of our place. Go hug somebody. Go greet somebody that that you didn't get to before we started and uh, especially someone that you don't know love on people and uh, we'll get started in a minute I'm Reverend Most Holy Lady.
Isn't that a beautiful sound? Doesn't that feel good? Did you enjoy that? <clears throat> awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, as soon as Jim gets back to his seat, we'll get started. <laughs> I can pick on Jim. He's my friend. All right. Everybody good? I was so excited when I pulled in the parking lot this morning and there were cars here. I thought to myself, Pastor Johnny announced me ahead of time and there's actually people here. This is too cool. This is too cool. Uh, in all seriousness, it, it, is, it is an absolute honor to know that when pastor and pastor are gone that uh, we're entrusted with this time with this group of people and we do not take that lightly. I will warn you that uh, one, I have a tendency to be long-winded. Uh, two, I'm a little radical. I will try to keep myself within the boundaries, but if I get out of the lines, it'll be all right, won't it? <laughs> Sunday is my favorite day of the week. 
I spend from Sunday afternoon till Saturday night looking forward to the next Sunday because I can't wait to get together with the family of God. Can't wait to see my brother that just said the amen back there and say, how are you, buddy? And he's sitting over here in the side room and he gets up to hug me. And he may struggle a little bit doing it, but he says, Wayne, and he's excited to say my name. You know how cool that is? How good that makes you feel to know that you have a brother excited to see you. I don't know if while we were just gathered up visiting here, if you heard the sound of joy in the room. It was a beautiful sound. How many know that the gathering of God's family should not be quiet? God might be a holy God, but that has nothing to do with sound or the need for a lack thereof. In fact, we probably lack a serious portion of the purpose of our gathering in that we don't have opportunity in a normal gathering to speak and to share into each other's lives. Now, I've heard people say, well, you're the preacher this coming. I, let me tell you, I don't really have intent to preach this morning. I'm going to more share from my heart to my family this morning. Would that be all right? So let's just jump out there into the deep water to start. I have a problem with church. In fact, I've been accused of being anti-church. And I'm not really anti-church. I'm pro-church, but I'm not really pro-church because I'm anti-church. I'm not really against church. I'm against tradition as it's come to be practiced in the church. I'm amused by churches who some even put on their sign, they put on their slogans, they, they put on banners out front that they're a New Testament church. And I'm not sure in our generation there are any, and if so, not many, actual New Testament churches. You see, if you go back to the New Testament church and search it out in the New Testament scriptures, there were no large buildings. There were no large congregations of people. There, was, there were no men that stood up and were glorified like gods. There were no spectators. 
there were people who gathered together as family units of the church. And what they did is they shared with each other what God was doing in them, what God was speaking to them. They were sharing their experience with him, with each other. And they were loving on each other. They were encouraging each other. They were teaching each other. They were serving each other. They were meeting one another's needs. If you've ever been to the hospital and done any significant amount of, of hospital calls, hospital ministry, you'll notice that at every hospital there's, there's signs generally that say reserved for clergy. And when I see those signs inside, I have a famous saying I'm known for. I look at the sign and I go, hogwash. Now you're going to figure out in a few minutes I'm not as unbalanced as you might first think. Okay? But I don't believe in a clergy laity as it's practiced. I don't believe that God speaks to people who come onto the platform and that the people on the platform are anointed and you are the common folk that come to hear from the anointing. I believe that we are all sheep and there is one shepherd And the shepherd speaks to all the sheep. And all the sheep follow the one shepherd. But within the sheepfold, there is a community. How many are scared so far? See some furrowed, frowned eyebrows. So lest you think that I've fallen off my rocker and Pastor Johnny made a grave mistake, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I think my sister has got them where they can go on the screen. Verse 11 of Ephesians 4 says, now, and I'm going to, I told her to put it up in the King James and I've got uh, New Living in my notes here, that's okay. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. We call this the fivefold ministry. These are the office gifts. This is the ministry of Jesus from an office standpoint, divided up into portions given to the church for purpose and design that God has for them in relationship to the people. God did not give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to grow the numbers, to build buildings, to create massive organizations. 
he didn't even call these people into ministry to get you saved so you can go to heaven. Now I do have you scared, don't I? In fact, if you read the context of the purpose for these five gifts, <laughs> going to heaven is not mentioned. And getting saved is not mentioned. I'm way out there now, ain't I? You see, we have reduced church. In most cases, that the church exists to get people to come through its doors. Or now in our day and time, to connect online if they don't come through the door. And by the way, if you're listening online, we appreciate you being with us today. So that we can tell them how great a sinner they are, so that we can get them to respond to an altar call, so that we can get them saved, so we can tell them that they're saved as if we're their priest. And now tell them that they're going to go to heaven someday. And immediately thereafter, what do we do? We practice what's called the five-finger illustration. Now that you're saved, you need to come to church every time the doors are open. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to pay your tithes. You need to tell everybody about Jesus. And I can't remember the fifth one off the top of my head. In other words, before we explain what you be, we tell you what you have to do. And so what we do is in a New Testament church, we create what's called a precursor event to a larger event. The larger event being that you go to heaven. The precursor event is that you come and say the prayer. And so what we do is we pronounce that you are something, but instead of really giving you information about what you now are, we tell you what you must do, which fosters an Old Testament mentality that in order to be with God, you must do. And how many understand that all through the Old Testament, which is the majority of your modern-day Bible, it's a history book telling us that you never make it by trying to do. You only make it when you figure out what you are and practice being what you are. Pastor Johnny has been in a series about identity. And the problem is, while Scripture says that, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the problem is, is that too often from the pulpit, those men who carry those titles, or women in some cases who carry those titles, reinforce a double-minded theology. Does that make any sense? And we encourage you to identify with your doing. And yet tell you that you're saved by grace. Not of works. 
And so inside, even if it's not in your conscious mind, your subconscious mind is in a constant battle trying to figure out, do, be, do, be, do, be. And how many understand that when you can't figure something out, what the tendency is to do is nothing? The one thing we know is that we're supposed to show up and we're supposed to bring money. In fact, I would say it this way. And if you get mad at me, you can get mad at me. I, I'm, always, I'm always willing to have this time that I minister be the last time in this place. It's okay with me. I don't draw a salary from New Life Church, so you're not going to hurt my income if I don't get invited back to speak, okay? It's okay. Modern day church, by and large, is this. It's paid performers entertaining paying spectators. Either say ouch or owe me or something. Paying spectators that support paid performers. And what happens is, subliminally, our only responsibility as paying spectators is to spectate and pay. How many know the purpose for the church is far greater than spectating and paying? As I see it in Scripture, God has two purposes. One, that his glory would be known in all the earth. And two, that he would restore all things. One of the things that he's restoring, that's why I brought my wife today, because at least I have a one man, one woman, amen, chorus. Love you, baby. He's, rest he's restoring a relationship. We talk about having a personal relationship with God. And yet, subliminally, most people have a relationship with the preacher vicariously in this fashion on Sunday morning. We compartmentalize our life. This is the hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, right? We're the church for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes on Sunday morning. If it was fall, then we're football fans on Sunday afternoon. We bowl on Monday nights. Oh, man, I'm really showing my age now. Nobody goes bowling. <laughs> Tuesday night, you know, we go to the man cave and watch reruns of Fox NASCAR races, whatever it is. Thursday night, we mow the lawn. Friday night, we go out to eat. Saturday, we go to the lake. Drag ourselves in late on Sunday night, 
get up, drag ourselves in here on Sunday morning because it's time to be the paying spectator again. This is what we do. This is our hour and 45 minutes. How off am I? Really, how off am I? My understanding of Scripture is that I am in Christ not just from 1030 to 12. I am in Christ on Sunday from 6 a.m. in the morning on Sunday morning to 5.59 a.m. on Monday morning. And the same on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When I was a kid growing up, my dad was, quote, church leadership. So, growing up in a very, very strict Assembly of God home, as a child, knee-high to a grasshopper all the way up, I had to wear slacks, dress shoes, usually white shirt, tie, suit coat or sport coat. Because my daddy was in leadership. And I had my clothes laid out on Saturday night in preparation for Sunday morning. How many get ready on Saturday night for Sunday morning? How many are late on Sunday mornings because you're getting your clothes ready? Don't, don't raise your hand. The scripture says that the body grows by what every joint supplies. Now, that's not talking about the medical marijuana store down the street. A joint in scripture in that context is a relationship. My fingers work because the knuckles work together. Because the hand's connected to the wrist, and the wrist is connected to the forearm, and the forearm to the elbow. You get it? Any one of those relationships go wrong, and there's a problem with the fingers. We judge the health of a church by how the pastor performs. And I don't know how many of you have ever been pastors, but I would recommend if you haven't been, don't. Do you realize that on any given Sunday, 60% of all pastors are wishing they could do something else? The stress on a pastor to perform, to please. is beyond incredible. It's unbearable. And if you've been a pastor, you understand.
there has to come a paradigm shift in the body of Christ. The word paradigm simply means the model that we use to make something work. And we have to change the model. This is the family of God that meets as New Life Church. I love Pastor Johnny. I love Dad Yule. But how many understand there are thousands and thousands and thousands of pastors? Back, this is Oklahoma. You can drive about four blocks and find another church. Oftentimes, if there's a church on one corner, there's a church on two or three of the other corners. How many understand church attendance in the United States right now is at its lowest percentage-wise it's ever been since it's been estimated and recorded? Don and I have been for several years looking for a building to make a grace transformation house. We have looked at countless numbers of churches that have been up for sale because churches are closing their doors left and right. They were doing it before COVID, and once COVID hit, that was it. It's a shame how many former church buildings are now medical marijuana grow facilities. We have to have a paradigm shift that the identity of the local body is not a weight that the pastor carries by himself. In fact, the local church these days is much like a football program at a university. It's an arms race. Every football program at every college and university is in 24 hours, seven day a week, 52 week a year fundraising because we have to have better suites, fancier concessions, bigger scoreboards. Right? Because that's how we get the recruits. And that's how we get the people to fill the stands. Tell me a church that you know that isn't trying to have a better light show. We're trying to have a worship experience. One church put in coffee in the lobby. Every church put in coffee in the lobby. Isn't that how it works? We have to do everything we can to attract people into the building and keep them. It's an arms race. 
In fact, it's, it got to where it's really not about relationships among the people at all. Remember that sound that you heard while we were greeting and hugging and loving on each other? That sound of joy? Do you realize how little that sound exists in the church on a week-to-week basis? Long as I'm meddling, let's go on. How many of you have ever gotten up? Let's rephrase that. How many of you on Saturday ever started thinking about being here on Sunday and started preparing your heart on Saturday for your gathering on Sunday? If the body grows by what every relationship supplies, let me ask it this way. What have you brought to the table for this local body of believers to grow? See, we come to church, right? Now, I don't know how you come to church unless you are outside your body and you come into your body because you are the church. So you can't come to church if you are the church. And if the body grows by what every relationship supplies, how many understand that really takes some of the pressure off Pastor Johnny? And if we understand correctly, put some of that pressure out here. So let me rephrase the question. What have you brought to the table for this family of God to grow. You may not think about it. Because we're not trained to think about it. Because see subliminally. Over hundreds of years. Starting in the second century. We started developing a clergy laity mentality. There was a separation between those who were ordained. And the common folks, and the common folks began to gather into buildings so that the clergy could tell them how to practice their faith. When once upon a time, it was just people who gathered together, who were sharing their experience of practicing their faith. Understanding that the power of a risen Jesus Christ and that I am not under a law having to perform that I already know I can't do. That the God of all grace is speaking and revealing himself to me and my family 
And so my family's gathered with your family, and we're sharing our experience of what God is doing in our homes. And we started leaving that in the second century so we could go listen to someone tell us about the Bible. Am I making any sense? Is anybody starting to grasp what I'm talking about this morning? In Ephesians chapter 4, let's go to verse 12, where we get the purpose of what that fivefold ministry is about. It's not to get you saved. It's not to get you baptized. It's not to get you to heaven. That's what we've reduced it to. Are those important things? Are those necessary things? Absolutely. But the purpose of the fivefold ministry is not to stack people up at the bus stop waiting for the next load to go. See, we have difficulty because people sit in pews Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and after a while, after a while you've heard all the Bible stories. And you begin to ask yourself after a while, why do I need to go? I've already heard that. Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The purpose of the fivefold ministry is to perfect the body of Christ. And you're thinking, well, that's why they preach, so we can be perfected. That's not what that's talking about. See, if you're a student of the Bible, you need to have a strong concordance, and you need to go figure out what the words actually mean. It's not about a body of Christ that has no flaws. The word perfect in most New Testament applications means this. It means complete according to the pattern. Or in this context, it means to be equipped. The purpose of whoever stands in, in front of this podium on Sunday morning is to equip you to do the work of the ministry that grows the body of Christ. What we have to get out of our subconscious mentality is the division between clergy and laity, and we need to figure out we are all ministers of the gospel. I grieve because what I see too much in the church is, I shared this with our small group this last week, what we have too often is this. We have O-line denominational churches that don't believe God is in the active ministry anymore today. The miracles died out with the apostles. The gifts died out with the apostles. And we're just sort of plodding along, doing our thing, till the great by and by comes. 
God's on vacation. He's put the gone fishing sign out on the pearly gates. Until said person who doesn't believe God's actively involved in our lives anymore gets a prognosis from a doctor that has the C word and then all of a sudden said person who does not believe in miracles and does not believe God is active in the world today suddenly wants you who do believe that to pray with them because by golly I got the C word and I need God to do something and all of a sudden our whole paradigm changes. Our whole theology changes. The other group of people is people like us, people who believe that God is active, involved. The gifts are for today. God is still healing and repairing and restoring lives. Amen? And what happens is life happens. Things happen in our lives. We, we get sick. Our relationships get tore apart. Our, our spouses run off. Our, our bosses fire us for, for things that are beyond our control. We, we go bankrupt. The economy shifts. <coughs> We discover we got mental health issues. We have all kinds of things happen in the course of everyday life. And so we drag ourselves in here on Sunday morning and we're hurting and we're tore apart and we're messed up from, tore up from the floor up as my wife likes to say it. And we can't wait to either have one of those worship times where there's a, a response to the altar before the preaching starts or we can't wait till the preaching ends and there's an altar call so we can get called out come down to the front have someone lay hands on us anoint us with oil or or pray over one of them little cloths we're going to send home and put under the spouse's pillow that's cheating on you and then we go home and we wait for god to answer somebody else's prayer we go home and we wait to see what god will do how far off am I? How far off am I? I'm not very far off at all, am I? You see, us Pentecostal charismatic folks have become so engrossed in that somebody else has an anointing. We will travel from meeting to meeting to meeting all over the country to get so-and-so to pray for me. Boy, I hope God gives them a word, calls me out. Ooh. And we forget that there's an anointing that abides within us. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what do we have? We have people who gather up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday who get prayed for the same things until we give up praying. And so then we just gather up and we gather up and we gather up and we go out the same unhealed, unrestored, untransformed, unmatured people that we were when we came in. But we had an experience. We got together. We feel good. We checked the box off. If you follow the context of this passage of Scripture out, you'll get down to about verse 17, and he says to people that in chapter 1, verse 1, he called saints, sacred, set-apart, sanctified people. He says to them, don't be as the Gentiles who are caught up in the vanity of their mind, into lasciviousness and all uncleanness and greed. But instead, take off the old man, 
and put on the new man, which is created in true righteousness and holiness. You know what that says to me? That screams at me that the transformation in my life is not dependent upon the man that stands behind the pulpit. It's not dependent upon the preacher man. It's not dependent on his anointing. It's dependent upon me deciding that I make a decision today. I am going to be put away. I'm going to do away with. I'm going to leave behind me that that I used to be. And I'm going to pick up the spirit of Christ. And I am going to be different. That's why in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Be not conformed again to this world. In other words, don't come in, get partway down the road to change, and before it gets complete, go back to what you were without finishing what you began. In other words, we practice partial repentance, We start to change our mind, but we never get all the way there. And before we get sufficiently far that the stone starts rolling down faster the other side of the hill, we go back down this side of the hill back to where we were. I'm a believer of this. I'm a believer that the pastor's primary job is to work himself out of a job. I'm a believer that the job of the pastor is to train you to do the work of the ministry. And once you're trained, you're released to go do the work of the ministry. I'm inclined to believe that what we ought to be having on Sunday morning is two services. That doesn't mean we have to be a megachurch. One service is to equip people who are not equipped. The other service is to get testimony of people who've done the work of the ministry to come back and report what's been accomplished in the ministry by those who've already been equipped. Is that too radical? The problem is the average Christian is inherently lazy. I want you to study for me, Pastor. I want you to figure it out for me, Pastor. I want you to tell me how it is, Pastor. I want you to hear God for me, Pastor. I want you to tell me what God is saying for me, Pastor. Oh, and by the way, I don't even want to figure out how that applies to me. I want you to tell me how to apply that. If there's anybody in the house who still loves me, somebody say amen. Where were we? Um, I lost my verse. We are for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Between now and next Sunday... I want you to ponder, to sit with God, to meditate, to ask God, 
You know, Sunday's coming. Jeremy's going to get together next Saturday and he's going to make sure he's got a black t-shirt and a pair of blue jeans ready. Decisions, decisions, decisions. But one thing I can assure you of, Jeremy has spent his week getting himself prepared for what he's going to bring on Sunday. Now you're saying, but he's the worship pastor. He has to do that. In which case, I give you my favorite saying, hogwash. Jeremy does that because that's who he is. Jeremy doesn't have any different responsibility than you do. Come next Sunday morning, what does Tanya have to bring to the body of Christ? What does Miss Carol have to bring to the body of Christ? What does Peggy have to bring to the body of Christ? What does Jim have to bring to the body of Christ? How many understand? We are co-laborers together. Amen? I probably ought to shut up. How many maybe see things a little bit different? We like to slip in late on Sunday morning. Why? So we don't have to be bothered with anybody. What if you decided next Sunday morning to get up early? To arrive early? So that you could love on people? Maybe God will give you an encouraging word for someone before Sunday. Maybe you'll walk in the door next Sunday. You will look at somebody's face. And you know the eye tells everything. And you'll look in their eye and you'll connect. And you'll see that something's wrong. And because you're sensitive, because you've prepared, because you're asking God to use you, you'll walk in the door next Sunday morning, and maybe you don't have something when you came, but as soon as you saw your brother or sister's face, and you see that something's wrong, all of a sudden, ooh, in the, right there, God gives you something. And you share, you minister, you encourage. How many will take a challenge to have a paradigm shift and be different next week? Next week. Amen? I am tired of church. I am tired of tradition. I'm tired of hearing sermons and not seeing application. It's not so bad now, but when we first came, Because we are who we be. We didn't spend much time being visitors here. About the third Sunday, I started hanging out with Miss Carol and Miss Carl out in the interway. 
we'd hand them their little bulletin and their notes and all that and greet them and I would greet them. It was fascinating to watch people who would greet Miss Carol as she gave them their bulletin and they would respond to her greeting but because I was new and they didn't know me would not respond to me. How many understand that should never happen? You walk through those doors, you see somebody that's not been here before. How many understand you should not leave them? You see somebody new, they should be your friend before you leave. They may or may not have been planted in this local body by God. They may just be coming that Sunday for a divine appointment. God has something in this service for them on that day, and he's got someplace else to plant them. But we need to grease those skids. We make them feel comfortable, feel loved, able to receive for that divine appointment God has for them. Amen? I want to challenge you to be different. I want to challenge you to think different. I want to challenge you to stop being a paying spectator and be a participant, be a co-laborer. I want to challenge you to be a joint, be a relationship back and forth in the body of Christ. Let's see what God will do if we be real. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Just for a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. This ain't going to be a lengthy time. You'd say, Pastor Wayne, God has pricked my heart this morning. I've just sort of been coming and spectating, and God is speaking to me about being part of the ministry, about uplifting people and encouraging them, bringing a contribution to the body on Sunday mornings. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for who you are and for what you do. I thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Father, I thank you that I can have confidence this morning to know that anything that I've said that is not of you, that you will cause this people to forget quickly. But Father, in the midst of what I've been sharing today, you are able to speak and reveal how you want us to respond to this that we've brought in this day. And we bow our knees and we bow our hearts in figurative fashion and say, Lord, have your way. Use us. Speak to us. Reveal yourself in us and through us. And help us to build the body of Christ from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Love you. Appreciate you. Little offering baskets are in the back. Hug someone's neck. Love somebody. Call someone during the week. If you don't have their phone number, chase them down before they get out the door. Get someone's number, someone's email, so you can email or text and make contact through the week and be the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Thank you.